0: Today's program is part of a special series brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and Every Neighborhood Partnership with funding provided by ACEs Aware. Together we are working to raise awareness about the effects of adverse childhood experiences in hopes of building a healthier community and a brighter future for our children. Dr. B explains the importance of acknowledging our stressors of the past in order to thrive in the present. Plus, she shares practical tips for coping through challenging times and building greater resiliency so you and your family can enjoy a healthier and more fulfilling life. Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B. Where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's
1: episode. Here's Dr. B. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and putting pain on pause. If you're interested in furthering this conversation please email me at contact at drbconnections.com or if you just want to know more about me go to my website at www.drbconnections.com now let's get started aces adverse childhood experiences putting pain on pause all right so this episode is really about trauma and the body we know that the body holds trauma from early childhood experiences even later childhood experiences we know what aces are i'm gonna repeat them so if you just get some reinforcement aces are adverse childhood experiences such as physical abuse emotional abuse sexual abuse physical and or emotional neglect and other family dysfunction like mental health mental illness in the family Addiction in the family, somebody being imprisoned in the family, divorce or abandonment of a child, things like that. So I want to do a shout out first for the book, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk. He's an amazing trauma researcher. He's spent his career and life studying trauma and helping people to heal. So he's a great resource and this book is very timely as we begin to try to implement strategies to treat people with adverse childhood experiences and help them heal. What we know from Vander Kolk's work and others, in many ways, we physically manifest our unconscious trauma in our bodies and our minds. We, we take our unconscious traumas and we make them part of our body and our mind. So, we see it physically in health and emotionally in our behavior and our thinking patterns. Let's, an example would be like, um, everyone's always mad at me. Okay, that could be a pattern of thinking rather than a reality, but if that's how a trauma manifested itself in the mind, and the thinking pattern of a person. We do a lot of treating of symptoms in the doctor's office and the therapy office, but we often don't treat or address the root causes of these problems. So it's the root causes that if we can extinguish those, the why it happened, the what exactly happened, we can minimize the impact, and that will lead to resilience because when we address a problem and we support somebody in a loving relationship to heal, guess what? That builds resiliency. The biggest, most powerful protective factor is a relationship. So lots of people have trauma, but they're also highly resilient and they overcome and adapt to their trauma and still live relatively healthy, happy lives. However, We could make that even better. We get the most bang for our buck when we focus on the beginning of life because when we focus on the beginning of life and we minimize or alleviate the root causes of trauma and we support people in their development and families in raising children and communities that have healthy protective factors, then we avoid needing to treat the physical and the emotional consequences of trauma. So let's talk about it in terms of protective weight gain. Now, the medical community calls this obesity. And I, I just, I can't stand that term. Um, and it's personal. I don't know why. It, it just, it, it always hits me because I feel like if you say that to a person who's, who's heavy or has protective weight on their body, that it just, it, it feels mean to me. And I want to change this. So I want us to think about it today together. We need to carefully examine our language that we use so that it doesn't imply blame to the person and cause even more trauma. We talk about trauma, but then we vicariously or accidentally re-traumatize people by saying over and over again, oh, you're obese or you meet the criteria for obesity, These are things that are painful for people. All right, let me explain. If a child experiences sexual abuse, she, he or she, often unconsciously figures out that adding protective weight to her body lessens the attention to her sexually. Now, sometimes in terms of a binary gender expression, a male might add weight to his body in order to be bigger and to be able to fight off a perpetrator. But... in the the sense of a female quote unquote, it's often the protective weight makes them more invisible to the perpetrator in terms of sexual abuse. So when we meet a person in a doctor's office who meets the criteria for excessive weight, AKA obesity, we need to ask why is this person, why does this person need this weight? If a child comes into a medical office and has excessive weight gain, we need to ask questions about ACEs. Weight gain puts pain on pause for sure. However, it also leads to many other health issues that impact the lifespan. You know, if you have excessive weight, it can lead to diabetes. It can lead to heart disease. It can lead to high blood pressure, addiction, depression, anxiety, even suicide. So, it's vital that we understand that when abuse happens in childhood, the body and the brain make sense of it by creating a system that protects against the trauma. So, let's think about it. Sexual abuse is happening. Person puts on weight. They're more invisible. Less sexual abuse happens. It becomes an unconscious message that if I'm heavier, I will be sexually abused less, and now we've created a protective system because of the trauma. So in an attempt to put pain on pause, we organically and naturally wire into our brain a way to protect ourselves from that harm, the abuse. The human brain really is brilliant at protecting us and keeping us safe, but It's not an effective way to live a long and healthy life, physically or mentally. So even though our brain is really capable of keeping us safe in the moment, as a long-term strategy, that's not protective weight gain, is not really a healthy long-term strategy. But that's not what the brain's working on. It's working on survival in the immediate moment. We have tons of research that point to trauma as the most urgent public health issue. And that actually calculates into financial gains from healthcare costs. I'm not gonna go into that right now, but it's really important to recognize that when we treat people's health, we're actually saving money in the long run as well. So many of these problems lead to all kinds of societal problems as well, or matters that we have to attend to, like employment issues, education issues, crime, relationships, domestic and family abuse, alcoholism, drug addiction, and so on. When these traumas aren't acknowledged, then the body has to make sense of it, just like weight gain. So if a trauma impacts somebody and takes them down the path of depression, maybe their way of managing that depression is through substance misuse. All right? Because substance misuse or drinking or using a particular substance is self-medicating. It makes us feel better. It makes us be able to avoid the pain. And then we get into the addictive cycle. So we're not going to go off onto the track of addiction because I already did an episode on addiction, but this one's on protective weight gain. So if added weight, per, I call it protective weight, allows someone to be unseen and thus unabused, that's better, right? Well, yes, but we start the cascading effects that come with a narrative of not being seen as a worthy person because when you're unseen, what happens? Then you also get the messaging that you don't matter. And when you get the messaging that you don't matter, that can also lead to depression or and or anxiety and or substance misuse, all sorts of things, potentially even suicide. So you can see how there's this, it, nothing happens in a vacuum around trauma. Putting pain on pause means making sense out of something that doesn't make sense. So it's like forcing a square peg into a round hole. You're going to cause damage to the hole if you put a square peg in a round space. So trying to make sense out of child abuse is precisely the same thing. What happens, though, is that the entire body reacts by changing the stress response system. And like Vander Kolk's work teaches us, he found, and he reports in his book, The Body Keeps Score, that Female incest survivors have an abnormal ratio of immune cells that put them at risk for autoimmune disease, okay? So just like we know that sexual abuse leads to protective weight gain, we also know now physiologically that female incest survivors have a risk of autoimmune disease. Somebody walks into your medical office or you meet your neighbor and they say, I have an autoimmune disease. What do we wanna know? Huh, I wonder if there's some trauma history here, not in a judgmental sense, but in a loving, compassionate, concerned sense of how do we treat this person from an emotional place as well as a physical place? Do you see how we begin to, we begin by unweaving the story of potential childhood trauma when we look at a person's medical history? This is what we're really trying to do. And I get that people are gonna say, oh my gosh, like that's way too much therapy in the doctor's office. But the truth is we have to go there because until we go there and unravel this problem of keeping everything quiet and keeping everything within the family, we're never gonna get to the resilient communities and families that we really are hoping for and stopping these intergenerational cycles of trauma that affect all of us on a personal level as well as on a community and societal level. So let's shift over to the neuroscience and in particular, a really personal experience for me. I wanna stick to the example of protective weight gain and changing this language. I've always said it's, not, it's really not okay to comment on a person's weight in either direction. Because if you say, oh, wow, you've lost so much weight, then the question just in, or have you lost weight? The question implies or the comment implies that previously you, the person, thought this person was heavier or heavy or maybe didn't look great with their weight. And so, naturally, being the person who's receiving this message, grab onto the negative because we do have sort of this negative confirmation bias thing that goes on in our head, and then that past trauma of needing to have protective weight becomes a recurrent trauma. They've probably struggled with weight loss, regaining it, losing it, and it's just a cycle that gets re reprogrammed into their story. So I wanna share a story. My dear, dear friend, this is probably, oh gosh, 20, over 25 years ago, jumped out of her car at my house and my son, who was about five at the time, ran up to her and wrapped his arms around her and he said, oh, you are so, and then he says, fat. And obviously I was horrified. And I just was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that." And I didn't know what to say or what to do, even though this is a very, very close friend of mine and you know, personal family friend who who just immediately latched onto it and said, "Yes, I am more of me to love you," and da da da, and just just took it with stride. And you know, I'm still standing there in shock that that was the word that he chose. But he was little. I mean. Four-year-olds, five-year-olds are just as honest as they can be, and they just say what comes to their mind. He didn't mean it in an offensive way. It was just his way of really saying, I just love all of you. So at that time, I didn't know her A score. This wasn't really being talked about back in the 90s like that, like the way it is now. But we have since discussed it, and she's very, very insightful and has tons of resilience even though she did experience trauma and her body did keep score and she still has had a very successful life and made a huge impact on so many people in the world including me. So what I want to say is that even though somebody has trauma or an ACE score that's high does not mean that their life isn't valuable or important and they haven't been able to Contribute. That's That's absolutely a wrong assumption. I wouldn't be the mom I am today or the teacher I am today without this person's friendship and compassion and really just understanding of life. So what I like to think about today as we explode with this new information around ACEs and the impact on our health, what if we could address protective weight gain right out of the gate? Well first what would we what would we attack we would attack child sexual abuse right out of the gate because we know there's a high correlation directly with that particular experience what if we weren't afraid to step on the scale at the doctor's office because of fear shame and judgment but instead said oh my i can see that your body is responding to trauma by adding weight to protect you from harm like What if that could be the conversation that we had in the doctor's office? Wouldn't that be amazing and totally different? Because I don't know anybody who loves to go to the doctor and step on the scale. So do you see how much more compassionate it would be? And how true would that be for most or all of us who struggle with excessive weight? I dream of this world. I have to say that for all the people that I know who carry protective weight And who've shared with me their pain of going to the doctor and having to step on the scale and then take the emotional hit that it's their fault. I would love for us to switch that up and say, oh, wow, I know that you've experienced trauma and your body's responding to it with weight. Let's address that. Let's find a way to get on that road of healing. So... I know that many people avoid the doctor altogether because we use weight as a guide for health instead of looking at why someone might struggle with protective weight. We blame and shame them for meeting the criteria for quote unquote obesity. So that's my personal story about protective weight gain. Let's talk about it in the form of resilience and optimism. Let's really put pain on pause for good, not just temporarily, but for good. We know that trauma leads to health impairments. We have a screening tool that helps us in the medical community and privately understand how trauma affects the body and our health. So the ability to overcome adversity starts with acknowledging the presence of trauma in the past or the present, and by dealing with it physically and emotionally. Not all trauma can be undone. As Vander Kolk has shown us, people have consequences from trauma. We can still treat people psychologically to understand and heal from the root causes. So what we need to do is help them integrate their story of trauma into their life story. Because it's that, that's where people get hung up with having a trauma story that isn't integrated into their life story. This is amazing and life changing because this has become our way of stopping intergenerational trauma from being passed on. We know this, we can do this. That's why I'm so optimistic about it. We know how to build resilient people and societies so but the intergenerational topic is coming down the pike in a few episodes so stay tuned when we look at our health to understand our narrative our story of our lives we can heal by integrating the sad into the rest of the story that's how we heal that's how we own who we are as a whole not in pieces and parts So my optimism is that our medical community will start to acknowledge, and I think we already are to some degree and certainly trying to, acknowledge that protective weight gain is a medical issue and we will begin to treat it with weight management treatment programs that include mental health support alongside physical health interventions. The, ACEs, the original ACEs study that Felitti did was born out of a weight management program at Kaiser Permanente. The correlation was made between abuse and protective weight gain initially. And what we know is that patients who were in this weight management program lost weight, but they left the program because the, lo- the weight that they lost was protective. And nobody was addressing the protectiveness of the weight. They were just addressing the weight loss. So we have a roadmap right here to resilience, and we need to start driving on that road. We know you can't lose the weight if it takes you away from your protectiveness, your protective safe zone. So that's super awesome. And let's let's start really thinking about that. And I'm encouraging you to... Change your language from quote-unquote I can't even, obesity to using the word protective weight gain. All right, let's move on to some actionable takeaways. First, change the blame game. If someone's carrying excessive weight, don't judge them. Please, please don't judge them. They're doing enough of that to themselves. Change your own language from using obesity to using protective weight gain. Have difficult conversations. If you're a doctor, if you're an MD, have difficult conversations with your patients. If you're just a regular general population person, have difficult conversations with your friends or your family about trauma and that lead, the kind of trauma that leads to protective weight gain. Have those conversations. Ask questions in a kind way, in a loving way, so you can invite them to get support with you and from you remember Bessel van der Kolk's words and title of his book the body keeps score also allow yourself to become conscious of your body and your mind when situations activate your stress response this is the past running the show and it's okay like remember your body's there to keep you alive and to you know protect you and fuel survival So it needs to respond quickly, but you can also stop and get your rational brain on board and say, wait a second, maybe that's the past running the show right now, and I need to jump into my now. Do some deep breathing, do some imagery around what's now and what's really happening versus what did happen in the past when you didn't have control or management of it. Always seek support. Also, advocate for yourself and find someone to advocate with you. I'm a huge fan of advocates. Yes, you are worthy of an advocate. We all are worthy of an advocate, even if you've never had one before. This is, this is your homework, is go find somebody who will advocate for you and with you and teach you that you are worthy of advocating for. If going to the doctor's office is so painful because you have to step on the scale, it's time to either find a new doctor or to teach your physician about ACEs and ask for help. Again, Be an advocate. We all manifest our trauma in different ways. Sometimes it's visible like in protective weight gain. Other times it's less noticeable, but it does reveal itself in depression, anxiety, overly active stress response, or other medical ailments like autoimmune disease, diabetes, heart disease, addiction, suicide. It shows up, folks. Always remember that we first experience our autonomic response. So what does autonomic mean? It means our automatic response system. And we have to train our dragon to learn how to respond to our rational brain. It's okay that your body responds autonomically. I want you to learn that word. But what we need to do is also recognize that we can pull ourselves out of that survival instinct and into a more rational way of responding. That's healing, that's kind and compassionate to ourselves and our bodies and our minds. So I hope that makes sense to you. I love you and go out and leave a life print. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B, it's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now go leave a life print.
0: Thank you for listening to this special episode of Delusional Optimism, brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and every neighborhood partnership. We hope you're encouraged by Dr. B's message and find her tips helpful for managing life stressors and building a more resilient self. For more episodes in this special series, please visit St. Agnes Medical Center's website at www.samc.com. This episode is produced and published by the editing team at Truthwork Media. Truthwork Media is a full-fledged podcasting and social media agency located in South Bend, Indiana with clients all around the world. For more information, visit them at TruthworkMedia.com. These materials, and all discussions of these materials, are for educational purposes only and do not constitute medical or mental health advice. The presenter is not a licensed mental health or medical service provider. If you need medical or mental health care or advice, you should contact your doctor or therapist, or you can contact your insurance company for a referral. This show and all of its contents are copyright 2020 Dr. B. Leave a Life print. Reproduction or use requires written consent of Dr. Kristen Beasley.